0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch up on all things Liverpool FC, folks. It is Wednesday, so there is not a whole lot going on. No game until tomorrow, so no game to talk about as yet. But there is a couple of bits of news. Bobby Firmino is back in full training, training with the group, taking part in sessions, and that's obviously a big boost. Great to have him back ahead of the. Christmas period. Curtis Jones, also back in training. Looks like he's recovered from the eye injury. Whether or not he's ready to go against the tune, we'll have to wait and see. But again, like with Bobby, great to have him back. Klopp said that it is only Harvey Elliott, who's out long term, and Adrian, obviously, who are unavailable. Now, my assumption is that by obviously he means, Adrian isn't injured. He's just never, ever playing again. Um, But it is good to be getting our full team back. Klopp spoke as well about vaccinations and testing. He said that every morning, everybody is tested before they enter the training ground. Then they have to return to their car. And when the test comes back as negative, then they're allowed to enter the building. Liverpool are taking absolutely no risks with COVID. And that is fantastic to hear. It is outstanding By the club that they're putting these precautions in place. And when you see other clubs, Manchester United had their game called off last night, Tottenham had their game called off at the weekend, Norwich and Aston Villa both have COVID outbreaks. Norwich apparently tried to get their game against Villa last night called off, but the Premier League were having none of it. It's good to see Liverpool being so careful. Klopp has spoken already about you know, how there's a high percentage of the squad vaccinated. It may well be that everybody is now vaccinated. But Liverpool are taking no risks, and that's really good to see. On the topic of taking no risks, Joel Matip has recently been linked with a return to the Cameroon national team. That would be great for Cameroon, but it would be potentially disastrous for Liverpool. Matip's injury problems don't really lend themselves to the horrors of international football. Cameroon are a mess right now. Their entire infrastructure in football is a disaster. They haven't developed at the same speed as other African countries like Nigeria, like Ghana. Samuel Eto'o is now in charge, and allegedly he reached out to Matip and a number of other players who'd walked away from the national team, believing there was too much corruption involved. This report went around for the last couple of days, but Klopp today says he has spoken to Matip, and he is not returning to international football. So that is a massive boost for Liverpool. The less Joel has to travel and play for, you know, in meaningless games, the more likely he is to stay fit and be available for big games when we need him. So that's always, always a big positive. Speaking of African football, the AFCON obviously is on track to go ahead in January. But today we have some news. Ishmael Mahmoud has reported, and David Lynch has followed this up, the CAF were expected to announce an indefinite postponement of the upcoming African Cup of Nations. Discussions taking place over compensation for host Cameroon. The European club associations have written a letter to FIFA expressing concerns over the well-being of players scheduled to compete at the tournament. CAF under huge pressure and postponement now looking the safest option. So David Lynch tweeted that out at 9.45. And at 10.45, Melissa Reddy tweets, CAF quite strong in dismissing reports of African Cup of, Nation, a Cup of Nations being postponed or cancelled, calling it fake news and lies, insisting it has never been discussed. Preparations have been continuing in Cameroon, and Sky Sports have announced they will show all games. Look, they're coming out that hard. The, the idea that it hasn't been discussed is blatantly a lie. It may well be they just don't have all their ducks in a row at the moment. They haven't agreed the compensation package with Cameroon. But it is looking more and more likely that AFCON may not go ahead. And if it does go ahead, it may well be without players based in Europe. Melissa also reports the European Club Association have been lobbying for a long while to have the tournament postponed. But CAF are adamant it will be going ahead as planned and will not succumb to agendas. I mean, the idea that wanting to keep players safe from a country that's in turmoil in the middle of a pandemic and that being an agenda is a bit weird. It really is a bit weird. Letter from the European Club Association on December 10th outlined if three key factors, those being player welfare, clubs not being without stars for competitive matches and timely return aren't respected, Players won't be released. They also want suitable medical and operational protocol from the CAF, something that has long been lacking in African football. It may well be that it goes ahead without European players, which would be brilliant for us because it would mean no Salah, no Mane and no Nabi Keita for their respective countries. They would stay with Liverpool. And I think if all clubs in Europe are strong on this, and hold the line, they can push this through, especially the major clubs. Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, Barcelona, Real, Bayern, Dortmund, Juve, the two Milan clubs. Off the top of my head, I don't know that all of them have African players. I don't think some of them do. But regardless, if they all hold the line and don't release their players, there's very little anybody can do to stop them. And I don't think FIFA would interject. We saw what happened when certain players weren't released for Brazil and Argentina and different countries and reports that those players were going to be suspended from playing in a certain Premier League game and it didn't happen because all the clubs held together and and fought their corner bar. Bart Tottenham and Aston Villa, who were cowards. But it does look likely that we will get some sort of positive resolution out of this. And that would be huge for us. The idea of Salah and Mane in particular, because Naby's not necessarily a starter, but those two having to disappear off to Africa for a month and missing multiple Premier League games. I mean, that is just... In the midst of a title... Charge where we're a point behind City and they're looking like a team that will run over everybody they play in the coming weeks. The idea that we could lose Mo and, and Mane is, is pretty devastating to us maintaining our current level, keeping t- touch with them and challenging them through the back half of the season. And people would say, Oh, it's only a game or two, but a game or two will make all the difference. A game or two separates Liverpool. Chelsea and City. City are top, but only two points clear of Chelsea. One game can make all the difference there. And while it may be a bit more than one point at the end of the season, it may not be. We saw what happened in 1890. City beat us by a point. If we hadn't had to play Dejan Lovren in a game, we might have been okay. We might have won the league. So you'd have to keep your fingers crossed. That something gets done, either the AFCON gets postponed or that European-based players don't have to go. Uh, someone who is going, Liverpool have lost head of post-match and elite player development analysis, Mark Leyland, to Newcastle. Uh, Liverpool obviously play Newcastle, the timing's a bit, a bit funky, but he worked with Eddie Howe before at Burnley. He had previously worked with Everton. He joined Liverpool in 2013, uh, one of Michael Edwards' appointments. It appears like Jurgen Klopp and Pepin Linders decided to allow him to go as the the job at Newcastle would be a promotion. It would see a career advancement from him. Uh, that's from a Melissa Reddy report in The Independent. He's expected to head up their analysis department, and be part of the coaching staff at Newcastle. So for that reason, it does make sense that he is um, he is moving on. Daniel Spirit, who serves as a post-match and elite player development analyst under Leyland, he is apparently looking likely to be promoted into the role to replace the departure. We've seen people leave before. And we've seen how strong our structure is. We've seen how quickly we can pivot and develop and advance. So, while you'd wish Mark Leyland all the best in his new role, I don't think it's going to have any kind of negative effect on Liverpool. If Daniel Spirit has been working underneath him, he'll have picked up plenty of tricks. He'll have his own view on things as well. He's highly regarded within the club, so... You know, it just makes sense Um, in a similar way that it makes sense that, you know, Michael Edwards is moving on. We have a plan in place. And I've said before, I, I would have liked to have seen a wider search, maybe some external candidates considered. It's likely that they were. We just didn't hear about it. But, you know, Julian Ward will take on the job from Michael Edwards. And Michael Edwards, according to Miguel Delaney, is on the shortlist or top of the shortlist for Real Madrid who are looking to appoint a new sporting director. I mean, how much say is Edwards really going to have at Real Madrid if he goes there? Perez runs things like a dictatorship. He has run through a bunch of sporting directors and technical directors and advisors and different people over the years, never really giving them a a proper scope to do their jobs. Real Madrid is a dream job, of course. It's the biggest club in the world. You'd have a huge budget to play with. He, If he's allowed to restructure the club, even if he doesn't have final say on transfers, if Perez maintains some sort of hold there, he can restructure the club and make them far better operationally. You'd imagine he'll get rewarded fairly handsomely in terms of compensation. But at the same time, if they're signing Mbappe and Haaland, He might not care about having final say on transfers. I could see Michael Edwards been interested in that job. Obviously, he turned down the Newcastle job, and that's understandable. That job is a bit bit too much for anyone to want, really. That club is a mess from top to bottom. And uh, if recent reports about Kieran Trippier are true, they're going nowhere fast. But Real is different, and if he hasn't dismissed the Real one out of hand, then... It's likely that he'll consider it. At least he's not going to, you know, a, a Premier League rival. Though the idea of him building a super team in Spain and just waiting for us in the Champions League isn't exactly something that fill you with with great amounts of joy. To move around the main Liverpool websites, this is Anfield. I have a piece up about Loris Karius. Karius has been linked with a move to Gruthert. In Germany, they are bottom of the Bundesliga, four points in 15 games. But they did recently lose their first-choice keeper to a long-term injury and are pretty desperate for somebody. Carrius needs to get away from Liverpool and go and you know restart his career somewhere. And hopefully he gets that opportunity. I like Laurie's Carrius. I think he's had a very tough time. I think Liverpool fans have been disgusting in some of their approaches towards him. And uh, I thought his teammates failed him that night in Kiev. So, um, yeah, I hope he goes on and has a has a good career, wherever that may be. Um, Liverpool's latest marginal gain and how it's already paying off for Jurgen Klopp, this one by Jack Lusby. So this talks about Nicholas Hossler and Patrick Hanchke, the neuroscientists from Neuro11 who worked with Liverpool during the summer and how their methods and their involvement has paid off for the Reds this season. It's obviously great to see Liverpool being on the cutting edge of all fields really and looking for those marginal gains in any and all circumstances. Liverpool.com Has a headline piece, Liverpool can revive partnership to beat Premier League rivals to Wonderkid transfer coup. Zalon Vanska is a young Hungarian attacker at MTK Budapest, who Liverpool previously had a player exchange partnership, a development partnership. I don't know how you'd describe it. Um, Christian Nemeth and others came from that club. None of them worked out for us, but this kid is meant to be very special. Um, he's had a great season so far in the UEFA Youth League, and he could well be one that we look at like the young Polish boy we brought in, Musilewski, and others. If he's got the talents and he's got the desire to make the move, then why wouldn't we jump on that? Why wouldn't we make that move? Liverpool have 50 million transfer discount on Elite Star as new Alfonso Davies trains with the club. So Tom Bogart, who is a MLS journalist, has reported that Toronto FC and Canadian Youth International, Jaquiel Marshall-Rutty, will train with Liverpool now. he just spent time with Arsenal. Marshall-Rutty has a ton of interest, including Champions League clubs, expecting offers to sign a pre-agreement for when he turns 18. So this kid is a wide attacker who can also play through the middle. He's also played a little bit at right-back in the Toronto FC Academy. Very, very talented by all accounts. Whether he's the next Alfonso Davies or not remains to be seen. But he did play for TFC's first team at the age of just 16. Which speaks volumes of his maturity and his adaptability to senior football. He's already made 13 senior appearances for the club and he is only 17. And they have had a terrible season. Just part of why he was playing so much. They were giving a lot of young youngsters um, minutes that maybe they wouldn't have if they'd been competitive. He is of Jamaican and German descent. Uh, he also has some First Nations uh, heritage as well, which is which is fascinating. Um, so he can't he can't leave. North America until he turns eighteen, or he can't sign with a European club until he turns eighteen. So yeah, it would be a pre-contract type of thing. But between him and young Pepe that's leaving FC Dallas, Liverpool strongly linked to both, it may be something that they start to do to bring in these immensely gifted North American talents. Uh Marshall was uh named on the Guardian's annual Next Generation list, which is a pretty good indicator of the best young talent around. Um, Others currently leaving the US or Canada to come to Europe. Caden Clark and Jonathan Gomez, they're both just waiting to turn 18 and they will have moves to uh, RB Leipzig and Real Sociedad respectively. Good to see Liverpool scouring the global market for every possible advantage. Uh, Liverpool could sign Joe Felix for less than 50 million which is, you know, oh, no, sorry, it's 50 million less than they paid. So they paid 113, so it's 63 million. Jeff Felix is a super talented player. He'd be a bit of an odd fit in this Liverpool team, but you never say no to a a talent like that. Uh, Neil Ruddock, that bastion of knowledge, has said that he thinks the Salah contract will get done. So, look, we'll keep fingers crossed that he's right for the first time ever. Um... What else have they got? Liverpool can sign former Klopp favourite, but one thing will stand in the way of Liverpool transfer. Now, the picture here is of Ivan Perisic, and the article is of Ivan Perisic. Ivan Perisic's name has resurfaced as a potential transfer target for Liverpool, but the Croatian international is one obstacle to a Jurgen Klopp reunion. This is bizarre. In what way is he Jurgen Klopp favorite? They had a massive falling out when they were at Dortmund. Perisic accused Klopp of playing favorites, which was a fair comment. Klopp called him childish, fined him, and then sold him in the January transfer window. In no way, shape, or form. Is he a Jurgen Klopp favourite? Stylistically, he's very much a Klopp player. But he's going to be 33 in the summer. And there's absolutely no chance Liverpool are going to sign him. This article is very strange. It starts off saying Liverpool could sign him and then ends saying, uh, for Perisic, a reunion with his Klopp has likely sailed away. A reunion with his former coach has likely sailed away. It's completely ignored the fact that the two of them don't get on and haven't gotten on for a decade. That's a bizarre thing to write. Why would you waste your time putting that together? Uh, That is about it for today, I think. On Anfieldindex.com, Stephen Smith has a piece up about Steven Gerrard's Villa impact. So it's not about Steven Gerrard, Aston Villa manager. It is about Liverpool versus Aston Villa. March 22nd, 2009, the Reds going for the title, playing against Villa and getting the win. Gerrard playing absolutely outstanding football. Uh, so do give that one a read. Liverpool's team on that day. Reyna, Arbeloa, Aurelio, Carragher, Skirtle, Gerrard, Alonso, Mascherano, Riera, Torres and Coit, Agar, Lucas and Ngog off the bench. For Villa, Brad Friedel in goal. Luke Young at right back. Sorry, Luke Young, Curtis Davis and Carlos Quaylor as a three-man defence. Milner, Petroff, Barry, Rio, Nigel Rio Coker, there's a blast from the past, and Ashley Young in midfield, and then John Carew and Emil Heskey up front. Brad Guzman, Craig Gardner, and Gabby Ibon Lahore coming off the bench. God, Nigel Rio Coker, I haven't thought about him in years. John Carew and Emil Heskey, that's what you call putting some heft up front. Two big fellas just up there to fight for the ball. Carew was a he should have been a much better player than he became. He was, for kids that don't realise, he was Erling Haaland before Erling Haaland when he br- came through at Valerenga and then Rosenberg. Went to Valencia, never quite found consistency. Bounced around a bit. Roma, Besiktas, Leon, Villa, Stoke, West Ham. Good career. Good career. Never came close to realising his potential. Didn't realise he'd been at Villa for four years. Um... Him and Heskey up front. What a, what a pair of lads. Uh, Podcast-wise, there is plenty. There's obviously the new Rival Recon, the new Scouted, the new mole beyond the Spot, the new Under Pressure. There's a new Scouter, Tommy's Up. There is the new Money Talks, Driving Commercial Success, Mo Chatra and Omar Chowdhury from the 21st Group. And on the free side, there is the new Desi Pod. Gags, cambranch Nina, And Harinder, having a laugh, talking rubbish, doing what they do. You don't have to be part of the culture to enjoy that podcast. That's what I love about it. It is just, it's great fun. It is great fun. Do listen to the new Desi podcast. Obviously, there's a new Liverbirds out earlier this week as well. So check that one out. Folks, I'm done. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.